0: It's the 6 Go podcast presented by Mint Sports. Today we're doing our 2023 St. George Illawarra Dragons review. Damien Siebold joins me. Steve, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Uh, look, a rough year for the Dragons. There's no question about that. They fired Anthony Griffin halfway through the year. Ryan Carr took over after that. And they did lose a lot of their last games. I think they won two out of their last 13 games. Um, But out of that, they did bring a a few people through at the back end that will contribute to next year, surely.
1: Yeah, you would think so. I mean, the worst worst thing for them was, and we spoke about it before, they put themselves in a position in every game, even those last 13. I, I thought while Hook was there as well, the majority of games that they played, they were, at certain points, they were a chance of winning the game. They just couldn't get the job done. So, you know, those blokes that they've blooded and brought through, it's an opportunity for them to, um, you know, have gained some exposure. But I do think that they're they're lacking a little bit of A, X factor, and B direction.
0: Look at this run that they went on in April. And this would have been when the when the torch was really shone on hook through that pressure period. So yep. they lost they lost seven in a row. But listen to these results. So they lose by two points to the Gold Coast. Yep. They lose by a, a try to Canberra. They lose by a point to the Roosters, two points to the Dogs, two points to the Tigers. Like, you, you yeah. cannot script that.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's tough. And, and I, I think back to the 2018 Canberra Raiders. They actually had a couple of runs like that throughout that season. They turned half of those well, one-try or one-score games around. And they made the grand final the following year. They put themselves in the finals. The, uh, the Dragons are in that position where they are close enough. If they can convert 50% of those close losses into a win, well, they make the finals. Um, then all of a sudden, Shane Flanagan's a genius. And, <laughs> and look, don't get me wrong. He is. He's a good coach. He's obviously very disciplined and got a defensive uh, you know, mindset. But I just think they're not that far away. They're not as bad as what people like to think they are.
0: There are a couple of clubs that need to throw everything out at the moment and start again. Yeah. They're not one of them. No,
1: they don't need to do anything but find one or two pieces.
0: Yeah. What what would those pieces be in your opinion?
1: Well, I've always been of the opinion that Ben Hunt is not um, an organising halfback. I think he's an elite half, he's an elite footballer, you know, whether nine is his position or... Or well, the halves is his position, I'm not sure. But his first instinct and his best attribute is run. And I always think that if he has got a half or if he had a half that could steer the ship for him and free him up and let him just run and play footy, that would bring the best out in him. That's why I think he plays so good in rep footy most of the time.
0: Been a lot of talk about the fullback spot for the yeah, Dragons. Look,
1: I don't... Oh, I don't rate Sloan. Oh, I really don't. I, I know a lot of people do, and I'm pretty sure you do, and, and we'll talk about it. He, he's got the attributes to be a good footballer. I just don't know whether or not defensively... I don't want to say... I, I want to be mindful of how I say I just don't know whether or not he can take himself from being a bloke blessed with some gifts to actually being a tough first grader.
0: Let me say this. So, Hook was really criticized about his tri- time at the Dragons for not putting in some of the youngsters, okay? And Sloan was definitely one of them. Yeah. Because he comes on and he has these moments of absolute brilliance, similar to a, a Jaden Campbell in some respects. However, I would definitely put Jaden Campbell above Tyrell Sloan. Yeah. Um, it was evident throughout the year why he was held back. Yeah, that's right. The, the amount of tackles he falls off. And not only that, mental errors. I remember one game, I can't remember who it was against. Uh, the siren had gone at half time, and he tried the most crazy kick in his own in goal down the sideline that almost came back the other way for a try. If, if someone had just put their boot on the right way, it was a try the other way. And it's just like, what are you doing, mate? Like, let's just get to half time.
1: Yeah, it, it's really bizarre. And again, it makes sense as to why he was held back. And it's, I don't think he was held back because you know, Hook had a, an opinion that he wasn't a first grader. I just thought he, he was of the belief
0: that he wasn't ready yet, and he didn't want to throw him to the wolves and ruin him. I actually don't mind their forward pack.
1: Yeah, that's fine. their forward pack's fine.
0: Yeah. I, I Like, is it good to win a premiership? Probably not, but not a lot
1: are. No. And I think, mate, as I said before, I think the only thing they're missing is a half. And using a, uh, losing young Amone is obviously going to be tough for them because he, he's very talented.
0: Out of all the youngsters they had there, so Sloan, Amone, yeah. and... Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah. Amone was the best. I agree. I yeah. agree. And the,
1: he's going to be hard to replace. Um, but I think they should look to replace him with an organising half, not another running half, because Amone again, was a running half.
0: Okay, so there has been a little bit of talk at the back end of the year, and you know how this goes. It'll go nowhere, but for the sake of our podcast, we'll mention it. Yep. Zach Lomax, possibly to six. Yeah, I actually don't mind it. Mm, I, for their situation, because I'm not sure how much better of a halves combination they could get than that.
1: He is loosey-goosey. Yeah. So, I don't <laughs> know if he could play in the halves. I think he could be the solution at fullback though. Yeah. Um, in, in the space of about three weeks, I went from, I think I sent you a text, um, geez, isn't he doing a good impersonation of a first grader tonight? <laughs> to, oh my God, how good is he? he he's back. <laughs> yes. And, and it coincided with that game where there was an injury and he got thrown back to fullback and he just freed up and, and was able to play footy. Yeah, I, I definitely think he can be part of the solution there. Um. Again, while, while we're chatting, I'm just having a look at some of the... um. Some of the stats for the year. And Zach Lomax and Moses Suley are both in the top eight for errors made. Yeah. You know, and that's, well, that's their two centers. That, that's tough. I mean, again, Reese Walsh and, and Selwyn Cobbo were the top, th- two of the top three, and they made the grand final. So you can argue that it doesn't make a difference, but there's, there's a big difference between a winger or a fullback attacking a footy and dropping a bomb a game. Which happens, and a center, just fundamental errors.
0: And also it's like in it's like in basketball with a with a turnover to assist ratio, right? So you might have a ton of errors, but do you have a ton of line break assists, for example?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You put yourself in the game. There was always an argument that uh, Braith Brayton Astor made too many errors. But Brayton Astor was a bloke who was a competitive thing. He was in every play. He absolutely tried his guts out. And because he tried his guts out and he was in everything, of course his error rate went up. Um, again, so the top six, five of them are wingers. One of them is a fullback, which is was number one. And then it's Lomax, Suley, and back to wingers and fullbacks again.
0: Yeah, and wingers, naturally, they're catching the last pass, diving. Yeah, so. that's
1: exactly right. Um, you know, crossfield field kicks, whether it's a... Um, well, they're going up, there. they're competing for the ball. You know, you get a little uh, touch on it and all of a sudden it's a knock-on. So, it yeah. happens.
0: Uh, do you think that that centre combination can be part of the solution going forward? Is that something that Shane Flanagan can stick with?
1: Yeah, yeah, they can. they're can. they good centres. They're not yeah. bad centres. And at the end of the day, um, you know, there, there's some clubs running around that would love a, a Moses Suley or, or Zach Lomax. So, I don't think centre's their problem. I think it's, uh, of course... Their forward pack's good enough,
0: but if they could get their hands
1: on another forward, a half and a full back.
0: Because the next 18 months are really going to be a filling out period for Shane Flanagan of who can he win a title with. Because if he can't win a title with them, they're going to be moved on. So, Because that's the eventual goal. So, And he's worked with a lot of these guys before, so he'll already have a clear understanding of who he can work with and who he can't.
1: Yeah, definitely. And again, um, it depends on what internal pressure is being put on them because realistically, if anyone thinks that Shane Flanagan can come in, and this is I'm talking about, the, the Dragons board, if they think that the squad that they've got, if Flanagan can come in and make them a, a premiership threat you know, within 18 months, well, they're delusional.
0: Because they are three or four years away. Of course, of course. Um, what is realistic expectations for them next year, though? I'd, I don't see a top eight berth for them next year, but... Certainly between eight and ten. Yeah, I, I would say probably between eight and twelve. Yep. But they're
1: a team that should—I don't think they'll make the finals at all. But no, they—they they should be with a month, six weeks ago in the season, be a chance.
0: Yes, and they should be competitive. the yeah, top eight teams. Like they're not one of these teams that. But again, they were. Yes, they yes. were already so. But th- but they're not a they're not a bulldogs who get blown out every week. No, they're not at that level. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. Or the Tigers, yes, which don't look like winning.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I just want to ask you. You might not have, but have you spoken with your brother about Shane Flanagan at all? He worked for uh, Anthony this year at Manly.
1: Yeah, look, mate, I have. And again, um, I, I try to leave him alone and don't punish him about footy. <laughs> he, has, he has enough people wanting to, you know, jump jump on the phone and talk to him about footy and things like that. So
0: one thing though, he must have liked him. Oh yeah, and, of course, and re- Yeah, and really respected yeah, yeah, he, him he does because when he was announced as Drake's head coach, a lot, a lot of the time it's, okay, see you later. Thank yeah. you very much for your time.
1: No, no, he, he, he likes him. He thinks he's a great bloke. He thinks he's a great coach. Um, you know, all the attributes that my brother likes in a, in a coach or you know, a player, hard work, uh, determination and um, you know, accountability, and, and he ticks all those boxes. And, and again, he, he was a really good follower. But no, to answer the question, I didn't really punish him too much.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. We'll take a quick break and be back with Chris Kennedy, the media manager for St. George Illawarra Dragons on the 60 podcast.
1: There's not
2: too many on the professional darts world tour looking like they have <laughs> That's a good point. babysitting on the old LinkedIn bio. <laughs> <laughs> They're the least trustworthy athletes of all Absolutely. time. Athletes in inverted <laughs> commas. I remember Phil Taylor back when they used to be able to drink and he would drink while he was playing and they were just on the cusp of trying to get rid of booze in the sport. He said, nah, you can't get rid of it. I use it for balance so that I can throw the darts. (laughs) They go, well, couldn't you just hold a book? He goes, mate, I can't drink 12 books while I'm playing darts. (laughs) For more nonsensical ramblings loosely based
1: on sport, tune into Mint Sports maybe daily every week. Maybe.
0: It's a 60 Go podcast presented by Mint Sports, Back with Damien Seabolt and Chris Kennedy joins us on the phone. Chris, how are you mates?
2: Yeah, I'm going really good. How are you guys?
0: Really good. Thanks. Now, obviously a bit of a tough year for the Dragons and you were inside the building. Can you tell me what was the most stressful time? We spoke earlier about that sort of month period where all the results sort of lost to the Dragons by about two or four points or one point in some cases. What was the most iconic time for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a topsy-turvy sort of 12 months. I mean, I only came on in um, uh, October, so I kind of walked into a few um, stray headlines around a few different things. We obviously had a couple of off-field um, sort of things going on at the, the back end of last year into early this year. But um, yeah, I mean, probably the most challenging was that, um, you know, you sort of hear within footy clubs, you know, you just worry about what's within your four walls and, and shut out the external noise. But I think the, the speculation around Anthony Griffin's future when it sort of started to reach fever pitch as those one and two and four point losses sort of started stringing together. I think we lost six games by a combined 13 points. And, you know, just every time you, um, you know, open the paper, it was all like, what are they going you know, what's going to happen with, with Anthony Griffin? And I think that kind of, um, you know, certainly tough for me is, you know, the the media manager looking at, um, you know, you you can't really shut out the um, the external noise when your job is to to worry about exactly that sort of thing. So, yeah, that was probably, um, you know, leading up to Anthony getting moved on and then the week that it happened was was pretty hard for everyone and and disruptive. But, um, yeah, I guess some, some learning experiences for all of us out of it as well.
1: It makes it really hard, mate. Um, Obviously, certain, whether it's media organisations or certain groups want to drive an agenda and whatever narrative that they want to um, have set up, it it really becomes like a snowball effect, doesn't it? And it constantly, you can say it as much as you want, but it does distract people and with the players, probably not, but certain people around the organisation, you're constantly hearing the noise and it makes it really difficult. So, you know, uh, one of the things that I spoke to Tom about earlier was. From from my perspective, I actually don't think the Dragons are too far away at all from being um, you know, a top eight footy side. They remind me a lot of where the Raiders were in about 2018, where they lost mm. seven to ten games by one score or less. So I think it was under six points. And and that's where you guys were this year. It's it's a matter of just turning around half of those games and, and all of a sudden you're a top eight team.
2: Yeah, that changes really quickly. I think we've got a lot in our favor around sort of the strength of the juniors coming through and, and having Shane come in, he's made a, a really positive difference. And, you know, the fact that he's been at the club before, he worked there as an assistant coach for a bit and then he was in our pathways not that long ago. He's got a, a really good sense of, you know, what he wants to achieve and what needs to happen. And he's got, you know, a huge buy-in from the players. He's got buy-in from, you know, the staff and the, the board. And um, he's just been wonderful to, to deal with. I think he's going to, you know, get the best out of the players. We touched on, you know, last year, obviously, finishing second last, you know, reads pretty bad, but those six games that we lost by 13 points or a couple of others that we, we could have won, you, you throw in, you know, a few a few different results and suddenly you, you're pushing for the eight and you, you touch on other teams. We've seen it in the past. You know, it's, I think Penrith missed the finals. It might have been the year before their, their three straight or they turned it around, you know, pretty quickly once they started to catch fire. I think we saw Eels get the wooden spoon a couple of years ago and then make, top four a couple of times on the bounce. The Roosters were last or second yeah. last right before there. their it's, you know, double premiership. So, yeah, it does move quickly.
1: It's very true, mate. And winning and losing is contagious. And, you know, you win two or three early and your confidence is up and you're flying and you drop two or three real tough ones early and then all of a sudden you feel like you're in a hole. So it's always not as bad as what it seems or not as good as what it seems.
0: And just on the back yeah. of that, seems, uh like Chris Shane would be looking to build a squad together who he thinks can win a title with eventually, right? So who do you think are the players of the squad that you can look to and build around for the next few years?
2: From the players we've already got? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of of Blake Laurie. I think he's probably one of the more underrated front rowers in the the competition. And one of the things I love about Block is just his... It's not so much what you see on field, which is always, you know, giving his best and very consistent but it's just his little actions around the club and the way he sort of you know looks after the young guys coming through he's been great for me to do it he's always kind of got that um club first mentality like how can this you know benefit the club he's come to me with you know ideas for things that we could do on you know social media or um anything that's going to you know help the, the club's image so you know having people like that who just are really really passionate about the club and the you know the The people around the club all being successful and pulling together, and um, you know Lomax is another one. He's um, you know he's probably got a a little bit of um, I think what's the word like um, incorrectly labelled as someone who's a bit sort of aloof, but he's um, he cares about the club as much as I think probably anyone, and he's quite similar in terms of. Um, being prepared to to do what's required, so um, I think those two guys are going to be really key for us the next few years.
0: Well, you can sense that there is still buy-in from the club at the back end of the year because uh, by the players I'm talking about, because I know that it hmm. reads that they they lost, oh, sorry, they won two out of their last thirteen or something similar like that. But there, there was a lot of really close games in there against great opposition. You know, one that brings back to mind is against the Melbourne Storm, where it was eighteen all half time, They led early and uh, just couldn't finish it off.
2: Yeah, we, I mean, that's one of those games we probably should have won. You know, a few different moments go, go differently. And, you know, what we've just touched on Kari spoke about a few times towards the back end of the year. He was just really happy with the way that, you know, the players had every excuse in the world to just throw their hands up and go, you know, we're, we can't make the finals. We've got an interim coach and it's all too hard. And, you know, we'll just stall out until next year. And, and nobody did that. Everyone, you know, I, I didn't see a single player late for a, a training or an event or or anything, you know, the whole way through the back end of the year, like everyone was really committed to, you know, giving the best account of themselves and, and doing their best. So I think that, you know, attitude that, that permeated the squad is is going to be a huge asset to tap into, you know, starting fresh this year with, you know, no injuries and a couple of new signings and a new coach so that will be valuable going forward.
1: Yeah, and and also too, the, the other thing late in the year, there was a few guys that got an opportunity to play first grade, either for the first time or, you know, to extend their career a little bit further than what um, most people thought would happen, you know whether or not they become consistent starters from round one next year or not is beside the point. But what it showed was these guys are up to it, and it just puts mm. more depth into the squad as well.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm really happy for all those guys because you know I saw how hard they worked, you know, through the year when they weren't getting opportunity, and guys like you know Dan Russell and Ryan Couchman and, and Conor Malysin were sort of. You know, generally amongst the best players on field in the the cup games through the middle part of the year, and and really deserve their call ups and getting a taste of it at the back end, and, and even young um, Sione Finau, who's just an absolute ball of energy, I think is going to be um, you know NRL star of the the future. He, unfortunately, his debut right at the end got cut short with a, an ankle injury, but um, he's going to be one to watch as well, I think. And and having all those guys, you know, get a get a taste of it and know that they are up to it and they're not out of place in first grade, you know, even if they don't start there you know having them with that experience is like you said going to be a, a huge asset.
0: Chris can I just ask you about yourself obviously a lot of people would know about you from NRL fantasy days how have you enjoyed going into Clubland? land? Yeah
2: um, I've loved it I, you know, I enjoyed my time being the, the, the fantasy guru I guess you'd say it was probably the more um, public facing part of my job my main role was just as a, an NRL reporter so going out and doing you know match day coverage and media ops and you know interviewing players and Coaches and uh, officials, so you know, hosting all the fantasy stuff was was super fun. But it was probably, you know, not even ten percent of my job for the the time I was at the NRL. But yeah, coming into to clubland, it's just um, it's very different. It, it's extremely dynamic. There's always something different, you know, going on. Being able to, I guess, forge those relationships with the the players has been, um, you know, really, really valuable. And I guess just seeing it from from the other side of the fence, having, you know, been the one doing interviews, to now being the one sort of organising them, it's um, you just get a different sense of, I guess, how it all um, pieces together. But yeah, I've, I've loved the environment at the time that I've I've been there so far.
0: Was there one player who uh, you've never met before or never had anything to do with that really um, struck you when you first walked in the door at St George?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, probably, um, I mean, when I was at NRL, I didn't really cover a lot of Dragons because we had a, a reporter who's still there named Brad Walter, who lives in Peru who um, I just would tend to never do Dragons. I was always around, you know, roosters, sharks, eels, dogs, tigers, sort of the more, you know, manly, the, the Sydney-based clubs. So I don't think I'd ever met Blake Laurie until I started at Dragons, and he was one that just, you know, really impressed me from the time I, I walked into the door. But, um, you know, a few guys who I'd sort of met a little bit were really welcoming like aaron woods on my first day sort of walked up and oh wow you're here now are you like anything you know i can do to help you know let me know and um yeah, josh kerr and um DeBell and jack bird were all pretty similar they sort of recognized me from covering origins or whatever but you know welcome me and you know it was um there's probably no no bad blokes in the squad really and a couple of the young guys tyrell Sloan and jaden sullivan were were awesome as well, like they they were probably the two that you'd find hanging around the communications office. They just, in between sessions or in between gym, they just come in for a a chat, sit down, put their feet up and, you know, what are you working on kind of thing. um, yeah, those guys have been really good
1: to deal with as well. Yeah, it's good. Obviously, then you can see that they're always trying to learn and absorb information, and that would translate into their footy as well because they're always going to try and improve and, and learn. You, you did mention hmm. um, Aaron Woods before. I have heard um, that about him. That he's a really good guy, and you know one of the best club blokes that um, any any club can get their hands on. And. You know some people like to um, you know, pick out faults in everyone but they don't always see exactly what goes on at a club and why certain people uh, are involved and you know obviously you you would see it day in day out that there's just some people that um, you know while performances might not be where they used to be um, they mm. bring so much more.
2: Yeah I think uh, Aaron Woods is a great example of those sort of players who um, you know, when your club signs and the fans are like, oh, what are you doing? They're over the hill. But, you know, I'm, I get on quite well with Ben Couchman, who's the, the father of the Couchman twins. And, and Toby got caught up to make his debut at the start of the year at the expense of Aaron Woods. Um, and Woodsy, you know, could have been kicking stones, but instead he was there, you know, next to Couchy in the defensive line at training, giving him little tips and things that are going to help him in his debut and just doing everything he can to, to help young Toby on his journey. And I think those are the sort of things that. You know, the fans might not see you when your, your club hires someone who's, or, or recruits a player who's quite experienced, but isn't at the, the peak of their powers anymore Is those little actions and, and leaderships that are going to help the younger players.
0: Well, Chris, we really appreciate your time this afternoon for coming on the podcast. I know you're very busy, but thank you so much. Hopefully not the last time.
2: Yeah, no, good to chat, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: This has been the Sixty O podcast, presented by Mint Sports, and that is full-time.